Hey, do you ever turn sideways when you get into your mid-40s, look in the mirror and think, which sticks out further, my stomach or my tits? Years you're looking in the mirror thinking, huh, the nipples are starting to go towards the waistband, but it doesn't look too bad. And then all of a sudden your fanny moves from the back to the front, and <laughs> you think, oh, which sticks out further. And then you get to be 60, and... Do you really care? No, all I can give you today, people, is my smile. <laughs> This is what I can do for you. <laughs> Stand up straight, smile, and you don't care so much. I mean, I don't. I really don't. Veneers is a podcast about layers, created and produced by Katy Perry and Alice Anderson. Each episode, we explore the layers of narrative that form everyday experiences and shape the people around us. Okay, I've never really described myself physically. I've never had to. Um, I am five foot ten, which is pretty tall for a lady. I smile a lot, I think. At least like around people that I like. I think what I had just like red eyes hair, are my eyes. Because they're I quite just moved to a big dry and climate bright blue. And suddenly like my hair's not and curly at anymore. At the moment I have my dad's pretty dark color of hair. Bright blue I'm eyes. Wondering I guess. if I'm gonna go white like him. I do not really have a very uh, traditionally approachable appearance. I have big feet that are calloused from dancing on the floor. Probably by most standards uh, considered heavily tattooed. Scabs, birthmarks. Five um, foot three. I tend to have facial hair. And a bite hair. on my face from a doc pounds, in and high school. At this present I'm point in, in time, I'm probably the I'm lightest I have for that. weighed since I weigh 152.5 pounds. One. 70, to the doctor. Uh, I would describe my body type as average. I think I've always kind of pictured myself on the heavier side with thighs that kiss, and that's where my pants run out. I, I inherited have my broad grandmother's shoulders butt, and like big hips, and that's and grandmother's spear, like an ass. So it's quite round and a Thank fucking goodness. body. I have like I have a body that exists. It's weird and describing it's yourself because it's like, little, like you don't want to be self-deprecating thing. and you also don't want to be like, oh, I have great legs. Which like I feel like I do have pretty great legs, but then you're not really supposed to say that. But like also like I have a like a big stomach. So like I guess maybe those negate each other and I can say both of those things. My name is Kate Spear and I am a dance artist. And my work tries to merge theatrical storytelling narratives with very visceral, full-out movement. And it's constantly, it's this tug and pull between, like, I have to use my body in order to do the work, but then it's being visibly judged. And there are definitely aesthetics that are favored in some dance forms. I am Brooke Welty. Um, I think confidence and self-esteem and your body are tied together and one thing can really affect the other. It doesn't really matter which comes I've first. I've always had this feeling of being the largest dancer in the room, which given women out there, it's I'm not weird how that big. I never hear so any insecurities from men. That but would all of my on me friends a lot. at some point have said something and I would make all these pieces that were about and body and often all the time. Like you feel like you have to be insecure. And you How can I eat, you also be happy, like, you be like, oh, exercise, be at my physical being capacity, pushed and pulled from different and sides. love this shifting body. My name is Matt Baltabug. 
at least as long as I've been uh, a grown adult, quote unquote, I've kind of dealt with a little bit in of body college, image issues. I looked exactly the same, and I, I thought know, I never that I was fat. That, that much, and I would but talk about this a lot. It was like I'm sure very annoying for all of my friends to look at me and be like, "You're clearly not fat." I was a sophomore in high school. I actually gained a lot of weight, partly because of a relationship I was in at the time. I think in some ways, you know, I was kind of a, in an emotional and mental uh, chasm, and food became a little bit of a uh, safe space <laughs> in some regard. Uh, I moved across year, the country you know, and striving very hard I was in this to, place uh, where nobody knew me, really so nobody knew that I had had any kind of body image issues, beauty, and so I could reinvent I just, myself, and I think it was a combination of all of those things that than, uh, made me feel confident more, uh, in my body. Able to get up and I felt more confident to, to ask somebody out, and I think on a bigger so level guess, it made me more confident to do other things in my life. It's more about how I feel. I have a love-hate relationship with my hair. I think it's my best feature and also my biggest nemesis. I think seeing other people's Being insecurities really helps with my own insecurities. The showers like, oh, were not always regular or like, accessible. It was the first time I let my leg I hair grow out and would just spend tiny thing about days stroking it and starting to love it and be okay with it. And I think that's when love for my body started. My name is Elaine Morrison. I'm a 65-year-old female that tells my identical twin sister and all of our closest friends that we're still gorgeous. I have given birth once when I was 19 years old. Um, it changed the way I viewed my body because I have a lot of stretch marks. And I was with a, a man that didn't really think that was very attractive. Um, photography and, and photos have always been kind of a weird thing for joy me because, uh, you know, my ex the gift was a photographer. was the baby that we uh, produced. She took many pictures of me and, and you know, and in some ways uh, pictures that I, I wouldn't mind having, but I don't really place the same kind of value on those pictures that I would other ones because, you know, it's, you have someone who's calling you their muse, and, <laughs> so there to speak, was a lot and then... They have Fault no interest finding. in that anymore. There was a lot of like, unhappiness. Was I actually that, or was I just kind of a subject for your art? You, know, you allow somebody to say to enough mean things to you. You learn two things. You, know, you learn that it affects that your self-esteem, and you learn like. how to say mean things back. As time has gone on, I don't you know, really I get over have that. as much desire And then I got to, rid of the first husband, and that solved a lot of it. Because they've kind of taken on a different meaning to me. You know, the result of that experience experience was the beautiful child that I gave birth to. I remember so, you know, that's dating someone all good. who told me that he was in love with my personality. Just and recently, what I learned later on in the that past he meant by that years was I've been that in this relationship. He liked my personality me as thick as and a he didn't like my body. That's something that people And what's weird about that now is that like someone can separate so, that. That's a cool take on my body. I think that women if they have children and they're through with the birth process, they're going to look at themselves and say, okay, where am I going with this? Am I going to uh, look at myself in the mirror and think, I feel great and I've taken good care of myself? And you can do that and be a perfect 36, 24, 36, as they used to say, 
or you can be uh, a 38, 30, 38. It doesn't matter. It's how you feel about yourself. I was negotiating my own um, feelings about my body not fitting the ideal in the modern dance world. And then a professor introduced these companies where people of different abilities were performing and making work. And I had this moment of, wait a minute, there still can be a rigor in whatever you're pursuing, but the rigor is for like a self-actualizing curiosity and constant learning rather than I had a total hip replacement to when I was 49 years old. And at that point, I worked really hard to get back into a place where I could walk. Your body's the thing And ride a bike and, and like swim. And you do things. Pretty much do anything but hang it's from a chandelier is the way I try and look and at it. it's like supposed to work. But that made me stop and think, when it's limiting I have me. to learn how to pace myself. I have to learn how to listen to my body. And I have to pay attention here. Otherwise, I'm going to find that it's more difficult to be mobile. And that's an important part of my so physical So many being. of my formative years were spent being someone who was sick and being someone who was in pain, that it took a while for me to figure out who I was when I wasn't sick. I'm in this project that is looking at cultivating the erotic, as Audre Lorde describes in Uses of the Erotic. And we've been creating these dances that came out of (laughs) vulnerable spot studies. I'm Amelia, and um, yeah, so when I was six, my mom tells me she remembers my doctor feeling my stomach and his face just, like, dropping. I had an enlarged spleen. So we would choose Normally three vulnerable spots Normally, your spleen supposed to be a third of the size of your liver, and mine then was three the times the size of, the of my liver. Then the point of the exercise was you connected your vulnerable spot on your body with your partner's vulnerable Compounded spot. Compounded with that were a million other out things. how to get there. And so, so they did like, like MRIs, they direct did and fast scans, or, they did ultrasounds. Um, slowly and then how do you get to the next one based on that? They talked for a while about like, should we remove her spleen? But they thought it was fixing a larger problem. They had no idea what that larger problem was. But they felt like they didn't want to risk taking it out. There was this debate of, like, should we be in our underwear so we feel somewhat comfortable? But the video is really about skin on skin and the sensuality of the material. In seventh grade, I started to have <laughs> and really now we're doing vulnerable spots where my spots are already was. vulnerable in the nude. I remember being, like, essentially, like, curled up in a fetal position, closing my eyes and clenching my fists and, like, trying to make it stop. I didn't go to school. I did homebound instruction. I was just like a zombie. I'd lay on the couch and like my eyelids would start to droop, but I like would never fall asleep because I was still in so much pain. It was just like I couldn't even care about the pain anymore. Like it didn't make sense to me that this was just suddenly going to be a way that I had to live. In rehearsal, she asked us, where in our bodies do we feel joy? And for me, it's like in my gut that then like almost like, champagne bubbles that it like escapes out and lifts me upward. I've been curious about grief where that lives in people's bodies. I often feel like both chest or like heart, like a knife is in it. My family was getting pretty desperate, but it had been probably close to like nine months of their daughter basically being incapacitated from pain and nobody being able to figure out why. Not to just sit with despair, but 
move it through our body. And then the doctor was like, we can do this surgery called a warring shunt or a splenorenal shunt, which as a child I called a splenorenal shunt. It's like not a very common surgery. I think they do it like maybe once or twice in the U.S. a year. And my mom remembers the doctor coming out and just looking so haggard and exhausted because basically they have to cut through all of your abs and take part of your veins and stitch them to other parts of your veins. And I think the surgery was like 10 hours. And I remember like sitting there and just continuing to like push this morphine pump and my parents being like, Amelia, you can't get any more morphine. But I think what it was is it like gave me some feeling that I had any control over this excruciating pain. Having your abs cut through is actually like the worst pain I think anyone can even imagine. Sneezing, oh my God. Sneezing was the worst ever. But laughing is even more painful than sneezing. I wish I could read Audre Lorde's writing right now. She talks about the erotic in all these ways. Like, it could be when you're making a bookcase or for gardening me, or doing laughing this. is a really big part of being and happy. And it's like her immense capacity for joy. Having joy be associated with really, really awful pain is pretty weird. It's like, I don't even want to laugh. And it's her, the sense of self against the chaos of her strongest feelings. And there's this one beautiful quote of like, once you've felt this experience... It's, like, disrespectful and a dishonor to both you and the people you live with not to try to attain it. It feels, like, less about, like, pleasure-seeking and more, really like, get any an better, honor but to my spleen was smaller. Life. My blood work started to get a little bit better. I went back to school, and then I didn't stop vomiting for three weeks straight. So my dad's theory is that my spleen was giant. And then when it wasn't there anymore, my organs just like rearranged themselves and they filled in the space badly I can and often crushed my duodenum. relate to it when I think about the ecstasy of orgasm and when does that like movement release happen in other aspects of life and that also being I erotic. I left on a feeding tube and was allowed to eat really soft foods. So my first meal was like really overcooked broccoli with brown butter and mashed potatoes. And I ate so much that I made myself puke just because I was so excited to eat food that I like ate way more than I should have after not having eaten for almost a month. I'm of the mindset that dance is a political act. To dance is to have a moment of power that that many people are sitting in an audience watching what you have to say on stage. I often feel like I don't have a right to feel sick anymore or to feel like I have a life condition. We're humans in the mediums of our body and fine. we read bodies. But and we because they don't know what's wrong with me, because with I still have to meaning. go to a specialist once a year, and because it's still a thing that like, I always have to worry about. narrative on certain bodies. It doesn't feel like and I'm that totally not our sick. perception when we see those bodies. I see it as we can't erase that we're humans on stage 
and would rather embrace it and take the time to I guess it takes consider how bodies to are read your body and to, to use that to either and to not comment on cause you pain things or to I don't ever feel like I will alternatives totally trust my body so I think that's how I've grown to see dances like using the body so you currently have a pretty large visible scar from your spleen I do so I actually really like my scar and the guy who did it did a really great job um and it starts a little bit to the right of my belly button and then sort of like comes across my stomach and like all the way down to the other side it's about a foot long And I think one of the things that's really nice about having such a visible scar is that it makes my body reflect the battleground that it was. And having my pain feel so invisible for so long, I have this physical representation of surviving that and being okay. Um, I wanted a tattoo when I was 18. I always kind of had a, an appreciation for but tattooing I knew that and, that and body like art. An unwise thing to do. Uh, the first one I got. So was, uh, I waited was until I was 30 years old. My 19th birthday, so I was I was 18. That was back in the day when bikers and, um, and sailors had tattoos. It was kind of you know love at first sight in some ways. You know, I was like, well, it yeah, wasn't this is the in thing to do. do. But I decided that I really wanted this. And, of course, it was one of those things that I decided to do one afternoon, and I didn't tell anybody. I just went ahead. Yeah, it's kind of a compulsion. It's uh, And you couldn't get the tattoo you know, I'm in Massachusetts. And I don't really talk about it to it people because, the law. you know, it is So it you is had to go to Rhode Island. You know, it's something I, I kind of want to be at peace with in my head before I start, you know, putting it on the on the canvas, so to speak. And I went with a friend of mine. Um, we first, I must tell you that we got all liquored up in order to do this, and I've got to get back home by supper time. So we go into the tattoo parlor, and I got a long stem red rose, and it's not really red, but it was supposed to be a red rose. For me, it has become, you know, it is a form of self-expression. It's it's something that kind of transcends beyond that too. It's it's a form of uh, of memory in a lot of regards. A friend that went with me said you know, that she would do it, but once. she was only going to do it if it didn't hurt. Lolita well, it hurt and, like uh, you know, mad. A big focus of his books because is, is I have memory. it on my inner thigh, on my right leg, and, uh, and I had to sit there to and you know, I can look you know, down on my sweat arm it out and I can because I knew that she would do it. Exactly where my head was. When I got that in, done, in hindsight, I thought, "What was I thinking you know, that day?" People often ask, you know. You know, oh, in this dive tattoo parlor, like, well, no doubt you do. I mean, I they think clean the needles it's, with it's Listerine. Pretty, uh, ridiculous to think that you wouldn't. I the band aid was a Kleenex being, you know, and you Scotch tape. And you have to be okay. able to change. Oh sure, I want a tattoo. Let's do it. You know, for me, okay. a lot of my tattoos have, you know, they have their initial meanings, but they also have taken on different ones as, as I have grown and developed as a human. Some of them have very immature kind of vision behind them. And now the rose is wilted. However, it remains. To. And it also, if you want to go full circle, is on the same leg that has this 12-inch scar from 
the total hip replacement that I had you know, when I was forty nine years old. I have taken which also control changed over my body image. The way so I, look I have I become the, the more confident I become suture line you know, on being the able to express myself side and the way that I have um, the it, it has provided me with, with confidence uh, <laughs> because it's you, you have to be able <laughs> and there you go to carry yourself differently when you're heavily tattooed like this. I mean it definitely uh, changed my perception of myself, but also, I mean, it, it, it noticeably you, know, you have to be uh, comfortable in your own skin, I think. other people's perception. I mean, I really think that you do. I think that if you are comfortable, then you enjoy food, you enjoy sex, you have a confidence about meeting people. In some ways, uh, you know, you can go into a situation and you can very much have new, people exciting not and different really things. listening to anything you're saying. They're more interested in, 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 in looking at you. And um, I didn't necessarily get tattoos to be different uh or to uh to to make some kind of statement you know i did it because it was something i wanted to do and um that hasn't changed this year i had a class of 17 middle school boys and one girl and they were all sitting at this back table like doing work together and one of them passed a note to another one and he like read it and looked at me and laughed and so I was sort of like, that's a thing that I should deal with. And so, like, I went over and just held out my hand. And they, like, tore it up into tiny pieces and tried to throw it away. And so, like, I pieced this note together and it said, I can see her nipples. Like, as far as, like, things that you could have written about my body, the observation of I can see her nipples is, like, decently tame. And it's, like, totally age-appropriate. And I was still so I upset. I have felt... What I realized later on was that my first reaction was shame that I had a body. Inviting, like I should have been more modest, feeling protected. And then it like that spiraled into like this is bullshit. Our society is bullshit. Like I have been trained that my first reaction when someone says something about my body is that it's my fault that I did something wrong. I was the reason he passed that note. The subtext of that is that it was okay for him to comment. I feel more comfortable being on my sexually body. appealing. And I'm used to feeling like that about men. Or if I'm with literally a any of friends, man ever, then if I was just by myself, either physically take my body from me or can take it from me with words. But I had never felt that from a kid. We want our entertainers to be the best, the most beautiful of the ideals we set. Very fit, toned, not that heavy, not many Mother different body types. Said, that's what's valued. Keep and a few pounds on yourself when you grow older, it makes you look younger and look better. This other and I think that that's right. and I were at the base camp twin. festival together. She's a little bit and heavier than I am at this point. She had a body type uh, and that was I look at her and I think, wow, she fabulous. Thick, like Beyonce thick. <laughs> and... We like bonded because the way we moved was so in sync and learning each other's movement was like we were twins that we had never met before. And in one duet we made, I was lifting her off the floor. So she had to place all her weight on my body. We all at some point have felt so shitty about our bodies. Like we've, we've all been there. Mm -hmm. And it's just baffling that we can still not even think. We're never teaching anyone what it means when we talk about other people's bodies and what that does to them.
and how it tells them that their body is separate from themselves. What I told him was that our bodies are the only thing that is with you your entire life. And so when people talk about it without asking, you're telling me it's not for me. The choreographer really wanted to see the heavy weight of the body being lifted up, so for her not to hold back. And she broke down and was crying to have to give me her body weight and have me lifted off the ground. It was this moment of like reassuring her, like, no, I have you. I can totally lift you off the ground. We can make this duet, and you are absolutely beautiful. Special thanks to our contributors, Amelia, Brooke, Elaine, Kate, and Matt. And thanks to Nathaniel Johnson for providing music for this episode, and to Pat Keen for his audio engineering expertise.